This is Shifting Our Schools, episode 59, Strategies for Creating Highly Structured, Loosely Organized Learning Environments. If you're looking to become an expert designer of authentic, purposeful, technology-rich learning experiences for your students, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Shifting Our Schools with your host, Jeff Udick. Well, welcome back to another Shifting Our Schools. Thank you for listening this week, and please help us spread our message and ideas by sharing your thoughts and ideas with other educators, your educator friends, and on social media. You can always use the hashtag SOS Podcast. Hashtag SOS Podcast is where we hang out as a community. If you have questions or comments or thoughts, I'm always checking the hashtag to see what is going on there. Also, if you'd like to be a guest or have something you want to share or talk about, or just an idea you'd like to bounce around with me, please do reach out either on social media, you can hit me up, you can email me, uh, or there's a contact form over at sospodcast.org. Today's guest, actually, uh, I've known for a while, but uh, I was able to reach out when I said, we're looking for people to be on. Uh, anybody that wants to be on our podcast, please do. He filled out the form, and now he's on the podcast today. So uh, kudos to Michael for uh going out there and making it happen. It is a freezing cold day here in Seattle. I can't believe it's July already. And today's high, you're going to like this, 59 degrees. That is summer in Seattle, people. But it's not raining, so I'm not complaining. But my gosh, I hope that the warmer weather gets here soon as it is cold up here in the studio. This week, we continue with our one-to-one summer of fun theme As all summer long, we'll be talking about different tips, tricks, and strategies for teaching and learning in the one-to-one classroom. So many of you out there, and if you're not in a one-to-one classroom, pretty good chance, I'm going to guess, in the next couple years, you will be. And if you're not in the next couple years, then we need to have a conversation with your school district. Uh, So anyways, that's my own personal belief, but we've got to start doing, we've got to start moving on this if we're not moving already. As you know, all summer long, we're uh, giving away a freebie and some discounts on courses. This is the last week that our website is down over at Eduro Learning, uh, so no freebie course to give away this week, but we will be back with a good uh, discounted course next week. And we do have a freebie PDF for you to give away, though. This week, we continue. uh, We launched it last week, and this week, uh, the freebie continues the same. If you haven't gone and downloaded it yet, please do. And if you did download it, let me know what you think. We always love to get feedback, even on the free uh, PDFs and stuff that we give away. But this week, the freebie is our seven strategies for managing digital distractions in the classroom. It's a great PDF. You can download it, read it. If you don't want to read it now, uh, at least download it now while it's free. Uh, Otherwise, it'll cost you, I think, $2.99 during the school year. Uh, So you'll be able to download that until July 14th at SOSpodcast.com. Dot org slash one two one. And of course, you don't have to remember that. All you have to remember is sospodcast.org. At the top, there's a link there that says one to one, and that will take you to our one to one page at Edura Learning, where you will see a lot more, a lot more resources that we have to offer to support the one to one teacher, the one to one administrator, the one to one school. But you can pick up your free download and check out our micro credential that we're launching at uh, the beginning of next school year, where you could spend almost entire school year with a mentor or coach and really focus in on making your one-to-one classroom the best it can be. So that again is sospodcast.org and and click on that one-to-one link at the top. This week, 
our focus is on creating those highly structured, loosely organized learning environments. You always hear me go on and on about here at the podcast. And if you've ever caught me, uh, if you ever caught me live at a conference or in a PD session, you know you've heard it there as well. If you haven't listened to episode 42 of Shifting Our Schools, that's episode 42. I'll put a link in the show notes for you uh, where I lay out what this means to me, this idea of highly structured, loosely organized learning environments. You really would want to go and listen to that episode as well as this one. Uh, that it really is the foundation where I kind of lay out what this means and kind of go in depth to my own understanding of where I am in highly structured, loosely organized learning environments. And since that episode, pretty much every episode after that builds upon this idea of creating a classroom atmosphere that is highly structured, loosely organized. This week, we go deeper into that idea with my guest, Michael Fitzgerald. Michael is a tech coach at a district I've been working with for the past three years and has probably heard of this highly structured, loosely organized idea more times than he can count. He is a teacher. He's just uh, finishing his first year as a full-time tech coach. So he's, he, he was implementing these when I started working with the school district and now as a tech coach. And so he is full of ways that he was using this in his own classroom, stories of how he was creating highly structured, loosely organized environments in his own classroom, and also now how he is helping to work with teachers to do the same. It's a great episode. You're really going to like listening to Michael. And with that, on with the show. Welcome back to Shifting Our Schools. I'm so excited. I'm here with Michael, uh, who has been on the podcast. He made a cameo because he left a Flipgrid response. By the way, did you see the news today? Flipgrid has joined the Microsoft EDU team and made the whole thing free. Nice. That literally came out like two. Whole thing free. Yep. The whole thing No more thing having free. to pitch those uh, free, free editions for your teachers. Exactly. It's so what's the purpose free. of leaving the... Uh, Shifting our school's reflection now. What's what's the? I, I don't know. Well, and well, you know, uh, Flipgrid just a little while ago um, made because of the whole EU thing. They had to lock them all down, so I couldn't even allow people to do a Flipgrid like you did as uh-huh. part of the questions because you needed to have a password. And then all of a sudden today they announced that they've been they're joining Microsoft EDU. So it's a lot of just interesting things going on. But anyways, that's a little side note. Nice. Um, as we get started, probably know when we're recording this now, you can go back in time and, and see when that announcement came out, but it was a couple hours ago. But uh, uh, so glad to have you here, um, Michael. As you know, we've been working together for, I think, three years now. I've been coming down to Auburn School District, um, helping out as you guys are rolling out your one-to-one. And so I think we'll get started. You can introduce yourself, kind of talk about your role, and then we'll get into like, where is your district? Where, you know, where you come from? What, how have you set up the professional development training as you've rolled out the one-to-one? And then we'll get into our, our big idea today, which is this idea of highly structured, loosely organized learning and kind of where we're at in this messiness. And you've got some great uh, tips coming up. So I'm excited about that. But let's get started. Let's introduce yourself to the millions of people or 15 that listen and uh, we'll get started. Yeah, thousands, thousands of thousands, people. Millions. We just advertised this podcast for our uh, our newsletter. So, oh, very um, cool. Got the Spotify and iTunes. But anyways, um, my name's uh, Michael Fitzgerald. Actually, uh, my first name's William. Uh, so that's kind of a interesting W Fitzgerald. It's <laughs> what I what I go by. But um, and uh, I I'm new to this job. Actually, I'm just finishing up my first year as a uh, TOSA for the technology department in Auburn School District. Um, as Jeff said, I've been kind of working to 
uh, lead some of our teachers in the integration of technology. I, I really am passionate about finding ways for teachers to, to be effective and efficient in their classrooms as someone that uh, realized, you know, that the eight hour day wasn't enough. Yeah. Um, trying to get that uh, multi-discipline uh, work, the interdisciplinary practices and really integrate the tech so our kids are, are 21st learning or 21st century learning. Uh, it's really a priority of mine. So, and what did you um, teach before you left the classroom? Well, I, I taught fourth and fifth grade, um, yeah, and I right. did the looping every year. So, I actually have my first graduating class next year. Super excited! Oh wow! Congrats! Yeah. That's cool. And it, it, my wife does the same. So it's been it's been great to have that, um, you know, that connection to uh, fourth through fifth, and really get two years to kind of develop those students and. If you're not looping in your schools, I think that's a great, it's a great practice. Yeah, kids love it too. Yeah. I'd love to do that. If I went back in the classroom to loop with kids for yeah. two years, especially fourth, fifth grade, like that is so, those are like yeah. the perfect grades yeah. to loop. I would, I mean, fourth grade, they, they're just so excited about everything and yeah. they're starting to, I, I really love the idea of, you know, transitioning them from uh, learning how to read to reading to learn, you know, that yeah. that's just such a novel idea for them using tools to not just to figure out how to work the tool, but using the tool for actual functions yeah. and, and to get them using those, those brains of theirs to the maximum capacity is, is really a, a unique opportunity for teachers in that grade yeah. level. Cool. Talk to me a little bit about where your school district is as far as rolling out one-to-one, -one, uh, where, how far down do you have one-to-one -one, kind of what, what is the setup there in Auburn? Yeah. Um, so we are just finishing our third year of the rollout. Uh, we started with our, our tech levy that was passed for, I believe, $22 million. Again, I'm first year, so I'm, I might not be the best person to ask, but <laughs> I, I'm supposed to know these answers. Um, we, uh, we rolled out uh, this January, our final, January, February, our final Chromebook carts to teachers um, to get us one-to-one -one from grades two through 12. We're at uh, one or two to one at grades uh, one, and then we're at kinder. We're trying to trying to push those Chromebooks out with the uh, levy funds coming out uh, soon, and um, also looking at you know creating some practice around teacher devices and protocols for that. And uh, so we're we're doing flip touch Google Chromebooks um, for grades one and uh, kinder in the future. Um, we're standard Chromebooks uh, for um, grades two through 12. We actually just uh, sold some of our first uh, rollout Chromebooks to our oh, seniors wow. for five bucks, wow, cool. uh, which is a great, you know, great tool. I heard some of them might've set them on fire, but cut <laughs> that out maybe. <laughs> They're seniors, not. you know? Yeah, you can't really control them. Now, do your middle have. school and high school kids take the Chromebooks home, right? They do, yeah, yeah they, they, they take them time. home. Yeah. Good. And that's new this year. So it's been, been a process for us as well. There's a lot of documentation on our websites for parents and teachers how to do that. And yeah, we've tried supporting them as much as possible. And uh, it's been pretty successful. There's, there's uh, some hardworking people in our district that really help us to manage that. And, and we have building supports uh, with building tech coordinators and instructional technology specialists uh, that really uh, are are the foundation of our, our successes with that rollout. Yeah. I really appreciate the work that our department does as a teacher, not knowing what that behind the scenes stuff is. 
and then coming down here, it's been amazing to to see that collaboration and that that community of support for our kids. Yeah, you you guys have such a great uh, support there. Uh, you know, I mentioned a little bit that uh, I've been working with you guys for three years as you've been rolling out this one to one. Talk a little bit about the work we've done, the PD model that Auburn set up uh, with your, it's called ATLA, right? Auburn mm-hmm. Teacher Leadership Academy. Talk a little bit about the role of, the role that has had to play and kind of what's the thinking behind uh, setting up these cohorts of, of teachers to go through the trainings. Yeah, so um, we, we originally had a, a teacher leadership academy that was running through uh, the Center for Strengthening Teacher, the Teacher Profession. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if I'm getting that acronym, but C-STEP. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we would have teachers go and, and um, obtain some leadership skills, some understanding around the framework that they had developed, and then bring some of those activities back. And then with the rollout, we really wanted to emphasize the, the technology use, the integration aspects. And so uh, kind of went to from ATLA to ATLA 2.0. Um, and that's been... Uh, about three years, but so before then we had the ATLA, I, we don't call it 1.0, just, just original. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was, it was for four or, four or five years. Yeah. And now we've been doing the tech, tech infusion aspect for three years, which seems, I mean, we, it seems like forever ago that, yeah, that started um, because, you know, we've been investing in teachers and really uh, capitalizing on that opportunity. So we have, uh, the last three years, we've had um, about two or three participants from each elementary, uh, three or four, maybe five from middle school, and uh, I would say more than five from each high school each attend high school. each each session. Um, we we do a kind of a a summer introduction session uh, with the teacher leadership framework, and then uh, invited Jeff to come lead us in some of our tech learning, and uh, he's been great. We've really appreciated his expertise in that um, and then setting them off on the on the school year and then meeting back with them uh, I think three times a year is the is the, the goal sometime in October or November sometime in February and then March um, actually I think it's mostly in January now mm-hmm. uh, so kind of getting them uh, an opportunity to learn the skills of, of teacher leadership paired with the uh, tech integration tactics that Jeff provides them and, and some of the really cool tools out there and then uh, meeting back and reflecting and and this year we actually did some really cool uh, investing in our teachers of, of saying rather than us share or Jeff share we want you to share your mini lessons that you're actually doing so you've you've gotten this learning from from Jeff around the tools and the, the unique uh, options out there and you've worked with some other teachers to develop your practices with it and uh, so bring that back and show it and that's been a huge hit for our teachers is to see themselves teaching those lessons and and sharing that out and collaborating on it it's just been really uh, a pleasure to be to be going at um, and each school sends sends representatives um, depending on you know uh, principal selection or or interest and uh, this year, or for, so for next year, we're actually moving to Atla 2.9, which is, I don't, <laughs> we've been going back and forth on that name, but that's what it is. And it's kind of like, because our rollout is complete, right? Uh, or to, to the extent of the levy, uh, moving forward with that to, to really shift from uh, 
so so our atla cadre or our atla group is really focused on the samr model the integration of the samr model and really trying to get that samr model from the lower levels to redefining some of the practices and yeah. systems in our schools so that we're using that technology for true 21st century learning yeah, I love that. And and we'll make sure that um, in the show notes that there people will have your Twitter account and ways for people to reach out if they want to learn more. But it's been this really, you know, from my end of things, it's been this really, really great marriage between all the work that you guys do with the leadership part. And then, you know, like you're saying, we have usually two days in August. And then I come back usually sometime in like January, I think, or then in March. Mm-hmm. And then there's other times when you guys are running the leadership part within that. So there's this great mix of not only how do you lead within a school, but then how do you lead with technology in a school uh, yeah. as you guys are rolling out the program? And I think it's just been a really, it's been a really interesting and I think very, from my point anyways, a very successful way to get leadership of people who are understanding both how do you help lead your colleagues and at the same time lead with technology and have those tech focused conversations now that every kid has a laptop. And yeah. uh, it's been, it's really, it's a great model. Uh, so if you want to reach out to Michael, we'll make sure that all of his uh, information is in the show notes. I know he'd be willing to share, or if you could come out to uh, Auburn, which is what, about hour south of, of Seattle here. So 45 minutes, yeah. 45 minutes south of Seattle here. Uh, so, but it, it, a great school district. Uh, how, how big are you guys? Just about. Oh gosh, I want to say uh, more than fifteen thousand students. Yeah, I was gonna um, say I want to say like eighteen thousand ish. Yeah, didn't say yeah. two high we schools. Have, we have uh, three comprehensive high schools, um, and uh, fourteen elementary schools. And and my job is to primarily bounce between those elementary schools. So really investing in those leaders there and bringing them back for that that systems thinking and that um, you know deeper pedagogical use of the technology has been. Uh, it's been really fun, especially that we, you know, I think something that I, I didn't necessarily mention, but we, we have a, a group of teachers that meets to plan for that leadership opportunity with yeah. the ATLA participants. So every year we get a group of 60, you know, 45 to 60 teachers coming to those meetings, but those meetings are, are led in, in tandem with Jeff um, and, and other consultants or, or our district leadership um, but we have teachers leading teachers and that's really the power behind it. So, yeah, I love that. It's so, so powerful. All right, well, let's jump into uh, really what we're here to talk about today on this episode is, you know, in these one, in one-to-one classrooms, one of the things that I'm constantly talking with teachers about, and especially in ATLA and, and other places is this idea of highly structured, loosely organized learning. And we have a whole episode where I kind of lay out what that means to me. And I'll go back and look at the episode. Uh, I don't remember what episode it was, but I'll it's make 42. sure. 42. 42. Oh, I thank you. To it this morning. To make sure <laughs> wow. I didn't say anything that was there already. <laughs> no, that's fine. You can repeat it. So I guess episode 42, uh, if you want to go back about this idea of highly structured, loosely organized learning and talk a little bit, what does that mean for you? I mean, this is your first term in this full role. And we started talking about this when you were going through ATLA uh, three years ago. Uh, and, and we kind of talked before we started recording here about like even you going through this, this pedagogical shift between direct instruction and, and kind mm-hmm. of talk to me a little bit about what, what kind of, how do you see this idea of highly structured, loosely organized? Um, so, you know, I, I think from my, my learning was to really understand the different uh, types of, of pedagogical, you know, practices out there. There's, you know, constructivism, there's, uh, you know, this, this uh, just broad 
general idea of of teaching that that pe- the general public carries. But within yeah. that, there are many sects of or sects of uh, you know ways you can do that. And yeah. I think um, for me, just understanding the the idea of you know explicit instruction, dif- differentiated instruction, just trying to figure out those um, those different styles and and researching that helped me to really kind of find myself and, and where I was as a teacher. So mm. um, something that I, that really struck me was um, looking at the work I was doing beyond as, as something beyond the classroom as something that uh, should matter to kids. And, and so one of the things that I did as I was shifting the, from somewhat of a direct instruction model was to look at the work we were doing as fixing a problem, as kind of starting starting with a problem was one of the um, main goals of mine was was to have something that kids could understand uh, and then approach trying to solve. So I know that goes into some of the design thinking practices, and, and but I didn't know that you know when yeah, I first started not, jumping into yeah. it. Yeah. So. And I think that's, you know, for me, I think when we talk about highly structured, loosely organized, and, you, and we talked about this a lot in the trainings, is I always come back to, and you, like you were saying, like, it's real life, you know, mm-hmm. that we, we have these structures that we even implement without thinking about it. Like I use the example, I was just, before we came here, I was sitting down on the deck because it's a beautiful morning here. And I was thinking like, there was a structure to how that deck got built, right? You don't, you don't put the railing on first, you put the railing on last. Like there's a structure to that process. Within that then, it's loosely organized and when, you know, how many boards do you need and when do you need those boards and, and how do you get people moving back and forth? But there's a definitely structure to how you build something. And I think that for me is the, is the first kind of takeaway for when we say highly structured, loosely organized, you have to have a structure. Whether that structure is problem-based learning project-based learning, whether that structure is using a design Mm -hmm. model or challenge-based learning from Apple, you've got to have a structure that drives the learning forward. Then within that, you let kids go, right? You find the real world problem. You find something for them to solve Mm -hmm. in that, but you have to have a a solid structure, uh, a plan, if you will, to get started. Um, And and that's just always a good thing. I think kids thrive with routine and, and structure like that. I think yeah. oftentimes when I think of, um, you know, 21st century learning, I, I hear teachers or, or imagine myself this like release of responsibility to teach to, to the students, which is great. Yeah. But you, your teachers definitely still need to have a vision of where to go. They, they need to be the leaders. I think, yeah, for sure. um, you know, the leaders empower others and, um, my favorite classrooms, you know, are those that I can talk to students, like where it doesn't interrupt something. Yeah. There's a structure of like work that's being done, but I can go in and not interrupt, um, you know, a classroom instructionally. And, and um, I think where kids have a, a clear idea of where they're going and what they're trying to accomplish is fascinating to watch. I yeah. think our, our systems in the past haven't set kids up to do that. There's, there's such like menial um, work rooted into the structures of, of education. And um, well, and I agree. I think there's so many curriculums and it's very easy as a teacher to 
not take, I call like the 10,000 foot level, right? You, the structure is at the 10,000 foot level. And mm-hmm. all too often we get stuck in the day-to-day lesson that you don't see what the goal is. And right. I think especially where, we, where we're coming out of education being so test focused. And as we start moving away from that, I think it, it drove us there. Like the educational yeah. system drove us to, you have a test. That was the end goal. And the best way to do it is lesson one, lesson two, lesson three, lesson four. Mm-hmm. And we get so focused on here's today's lesson, prepare for tomorrow's lesson, prepare for the next day's lesson that we don't step back and say, okay, but what really is the learning we want to happen at the end? Right? Yeah. We're not focused on the learning. We're focused on the teaching. And that yeah. to me is a massive shift. When we shift from, instead of focusing on teaching, we start focusing on learning. You have to have a structure in place to drive learning forward. Mm-hmm. Teaching is easy. I mean, if you just want to teach lesson one, lesson two, lesson three, yeah. learning the focus to truly focus on learning, you've got to have a structure in place that allows that learning to occur. So, yeah. So that one of my um, earliest like professional development memories was this conversation I had with, with my mentor around uh, me pestering him for what we're doing next, next, you know, what's coming next. And he, he said something along the lines of, it doesn't matter what we're doing next. It's how we're doing it. Yeah. It's it's why we're doing it and who, who we're teaching it to. Yeah. So that's something I often do with technology or, or with, you know, teachers is, is ask them to, to try and move from the what you're teaching, um, which usually is lesson one, lesson two, this is what I'm doing, this is how I'm, it's never really like how I'm doing it or uh, who is in the room. Yeah. 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 So once you can move to that, it really creates some powerful conversations. I think that, that, that planning method of just like what we're doing, when we're doing is so much of the organization of teaching. And yeah. the structures that people are setting up that they don't often get times to move to the how and the yeah. why and the who. And, and, and I love that. And I think part of it is too, is like you start looking at teaching manuals and teaching manuals start on the what and when, yeah. <laughs> you know, they don't, they don't take in anything. Long, yeah. yeah. They don't, they don't know the kids that are in front of you that day. They don't know that, you know, right. they don't know where you are in the world. So we, we can focus on two things. We know what you need to teach and we can pretty much say, okay, this is a 45 minute lesson. Here's when you teach it, right? Yeah. We, we can do that. But the rest of it is actually the, that's the part that like, man, that's the passion of actually being a teacher is yeah. I've got the what and the when, but really it is, is who and why, right? right. Who am I teaching? Why are we doing it this way? And where is the learning I want at the end of it? And that's and yeah. where that, that to me is the, that's where I geek out on this stuff. Yeah. I think, and that, that transcends to not just the content that we're working with, with, you know, math and science and uh, all the other subject areas, but within technology learning as well, is that so many teachers, they see this, this idea of a Google doc or, or Flipgrid and they, they see that I want to work within that. And there's a process to actually getting that to be a, a, tactful thought right like yeah i think that um so many teachers see something that's happening with technology and they just how can i figure fit that in or, or how is that going to help my kids and yeah um i i think really my job has been trying to uh, ask teachers why you know why you're doing that i don't i don't necessarily question them but yeah right um, but why think, that tool what's the purpose what's mm-hmm. the learning you hope occurs to yeah. make sure that the tool that you chose is the right, right. tool to for that learning right exactly 
Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, a lot of times I'll go in and, and not use the technology at all. And they're, yeah. they're, they're looking at me like I'm not doing my job. And like, well, it's not appropriate right now. Yeah, so yeah, having that conversation right for teachers is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the things we were talking about before we started recording too, was one of my favorite things. And I talk about this a lot when we talk about highly structured is the use of a timer in the classroom. You know, I love like, and you know, Google has one built in. You just go to a Google search bar and type in 10 minutes and the timer comes up and you go full screen. So one of the things I love is for highly structured is like, you've got 10 minutes to do this. We set a timer for 10 minutes. It's a great way to keep kids inside that structure, moving through tasks that they need to accomplish or keeping them driving forward. You mentioned something about a hyperdoc. Can you explain a little bit? What is a hyperdoc? How have you used it? What, what's the power you see in hyperdocs? So I think um, for me as a, as a fourth grade teacher with, you know, nine and 10 year olds, trying to get them to, you know, truly research out on online and have access to that um, was, was very challenging and scary. Yeah. Yeah. And what I wanted to do was give them the structure of research, the, the practices within research, but organize the initial searching, the, you know, taking the scary out of it. So what I would do was a lot of times uh, we would look at um, a hyperdoc, which is basically a document with a ton of links in it that I had populated beforehand to guide them through the discovery and the learning. So generally using things like National Geographic for kids or, or yeah. searching elements within the safe search because we all know some, you can tell a kid to safe search a thousand yeah. times, but, <laughs> but that Google button is right at the top. It's so right there. <laughs> and, and trying to get that, you know, digital citizenship learning as they're going is, is really key, but, you know, creating that avenue for kids to venture where they want to go, but create, but, but also within a structure that you expect yeah. Um, was really powerful, powerful for me. An example I have was um, I wanted to, I wanted a problem we saw was there was this writing prompt that we had to do um, around uh, narrative or not, not narrative, uh, informational writing. Yeah. It's a, it's a common fourth grade, you know, we're writing informationally. Um, so the, the prompt was around endangered species and uh, you know, how to help, how to help endangered species or pros and cons of, of zoos and things like that. And um, I wanted them to actually see their efforts could do something, right? Their, their efforts could save a snow leopard or yeah. something like that, you know? And so what I did was rather than have them just search snow leopards, which generally goes into an image search yeah. as a fourth grade class, you're just gonna, oh, look at all these pictures of snow leopards. This one's right. this thing. And, yeah, yeah. Um, I would take the links that I saw and that I found prior to, to kind of save them a, a ton of time sifting through. I mean, there's, there's power to sifting through a search. Right. Um, and I would teach that elsewhere, but that's not the purpose of my, of my day. My day was to get them reading and, and researching around endangered species. And so providing them a hyperdoc with four or five different links that they could look into or, um, I wish I could have done, you know, thousands that were great, but right. to really give them that choice and option, but um, giving them a structure of this is how we research. We look at reputable sites. We, we cite them in our work. And um, these are five that I've found that can help you with your work and help you gain, gain an understanding of that really gave them um, that, that freedom of choice without 
limiting them to do all doing the same thing. Cause yeah, as a fourth grade teacher, you hate reading the same essay 30 <laughs> all the times. Time. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And I love that idea too. And, and especially like the idea of using a hyperdoc in that fourth and fifth grade range as well is you even alluded to this is that gradual release of responsibility, you mm-hmm. know, like here, I've given you five links to choose from. That's a great place to start within that. Then we're going to have many lessons on what's a good source. How do you know what a good source is? Why did I choose these five? Right. And then maybe as you're going through the lesson, you start to gradually release that and say, okay, now you go out and find a good link on snow leopards and you tell me why this is a good link. And part of it is, is like, do you understand it, right? If it's not written at a fourth or fifth grade level and you're reading some mm-hmm. PhD paper on snow leopards, not appropriate for you. It could be great stuff, but if you can't comprehend it, it's not a good link, right? So that's part of it right. as well. And then you and can- I will, I will say as I was earlier on in that, like I would struggle with kids, want, kids would do that naturally. They'd, yeah. They would come back with a book from the library about snow leopards or something. And I would say, yes, that's great. But then as they went online, I would you know, be a little bit more- more tentative. And, um, you know, I think one of the, one of the elements that I really adapted was like school is one of the best places to make the mistakes in technology. So if they're going to go and research, there's a caring adult there that's going to help them understand how to, how to adapt to that. And, and, um, and you've got some of the best filters in place because yeah. I can only imagine what's going to come up with snow leopards when the yeah. kid does an image search, but I'd rather them do it there with a caring adult, knowing that you have literally a federally backed, you know, mm-hmm. filter system than be th- than doing that at home when mom yeah. and dad are in the house. Yeah. Right? You know, that to your point, I, I, I constantly talking about that. Like, this is where I want that to happen because we can talk about it. We can, you know, and there's no safer place to take that yeah. risk you know, at least start to. Yeah. Cool. All right. What are some other things that you have about uh, some of your pedagogical approaches? One of the things that I talked about was, you know, um, especially in a one-to-one classroom, the idea of leveraging video and media, you know, whether it's, you know, podcasts, uh, there's so many out there that are made by students. We actually have a yeah. new one coming out at Edura Learning that is actually ran by a fifth grader. Liv is actually going to run her own podcast, Student Vo- Global Student Voices, I think it's going to be called. We're still trying to work out the name. Um, but So there's all these great podcasts that kids can listen to other kids talking about stuff. But also the, the power of video, whether it's you as a teacher making videos or finding YouTube videos. You know, So now in your HyperDoc, you've got you know, you got the book from the library, you've got three to five links in your hyperdoc that the teacher has started to give you. And now all of a sudden you've got four videos on YouTube, you know, we're just helping that, that idea. So I think, you know, leveraging media with a media first generation is always a, a powerful, a powerful tool as well. Totally, totally. I, I just saw a teacher that um, was uh, sharing out a video of her students, or, or sharing out a video to her students of a copy machine that created a black hole or something. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, I, I don't know what the video was referring to, but this, this worker was, was creating this uh, black hole copy and, and he just jumped in and ended up, you know, creating all these experiences for him. And I think, you know, the teacher asked then like, what would you do with a black hole? Something as simple as that, you know, keeping the target of, yeah of narrative writing or, or whatever their prompt was, um, or exploring, you know, thought processes for kids, keeping the target in mind, but being flexible on how your kids get there is something I that, that I love seeing in classrooms. It's just yeah. so, it's so realistic. Like my, my job isn't necessarily black and white. I have goals and tasks to accomplish, but how I get there 
is really up to me. And, and yeah. that's the way that 21st century jobs are going is your it. boss doesn't overlook you like they used to. There's not an assembly line that everyone's doing one task and they can determine where that task is not being done yeah. correctly. It's, it's so much freedom and, and accessibility for all that a lot of times, um, you know, if, you, if you're not preparing kids for that, they can struggle with that, that freedom. I, I love that. I love that idea. It's so, so true. Uh, anything else you got on your list for us? Um, you know, I think something that really uh, I, I thought about when thinking um, about a highly structured, loosely organized environment was uh, the idea of competition. Okay. Um, so like for me uh, and my mentor, competition was, was great for us. It really drove us to to be better teachers. But when I look at it from a, from a standpoint of like having kids compete against each other, that's something that I don't, I, I think was, is needs to be discouraged. I think yeah. a lot of times we can create inequities in that, uh, in that environment by making certain tasks more catered to, to our learning styles and, and our preferences as teachers. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, eliminating competition to encourage, community growth instead of individual achievement is a big piece of that, uh, that environment that you're trying to set up. Um, we used to do a, a math fact uh, test in my classroom and we switched one year from the highest score, which was being complete, completely over like what it needed to be. Yeah. Like 200 facts in four minutes. This is just insane. <laughs> to, to a transition to the growth percentages and like mm. focusing on and establishing that um, that learning within the kids that it's not about the the highest level; it's about your learning and your yeah. your growth. Are and, you continuing to learn? Yeah. You know, I think competition around teachers—they're adults; they can handle it. They should be able to handle it. Yeah. They can drive some best practice if it's shared correctly. But amongst kids, a lot of times, I think in in a good structured environment with with some freedom, there's there needs to be less competition and more. Mm uh, involvement for the community, making it around solving that problem together rather than, um, whoever solves it first is the best student, you know? Yeah. And I like that. And that's such a growth mindset approach, you know, like it's not a, can you do 200 math facts? I gave those same tests when I was in fourth grade, man. We had timed kids. Oh God. I still like thinking back on it. I was like, what was I doing? Like, mm -hmm. geez, you know, yeah. I think we even had like a sticker chart or the kids graphed their own. Yeah. I'm just I like, mean, it's, wow. you know, it's just where we've come, but that idea of just, you know, working on, are you improving? You know, last week you were able to do 10 in two minutes. Now you did 15 in two minutes. That's amazing. Right. Mm -hmm. Like focus on, on, are you learning something? Are you continuing to move rather than the overall position right. of who can do 200 math facts in four minutes? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. Um, what else you got? Anything else in your list? I'm looking through mine here. One of my, like, uh, I guess this is kind of a, another way that I would create those opportunities for the freedom for kids to choose and, and go different routes was, um, within uh, Google Classroom, I think you mentioned this somewhere that you could make a you could make a document and then make it a copy for every other kid, yeah. right? So you can make make a copy for each student, and um, so creating some sort of parameter at the top of that of like where you where you I would sometimes even just list the standard, like, hey yeah. guys, we need to we need to learn how to add fractions. 
this is your document to, to show me how and yeah. to demonstrate that learning. Um, but that feature itself creates a lot of uh, organizational uh, you know, skills that kids need to learn. And, and it puts the onus on the, uh, of the learning on the kid. It, it, yeah. it takes it off your hands because you've, it's essentially passing out a paper online. Right. But um, I think if you do it in a certain way, you can create that structure you want to accomplish certain tasks, but then give them the freedom to do it on their own. Yeah. And I think you even do something like that with a hyperdoc, right? Like you could take yeah. your hyperdoc and then every kid is able yeah. to write through Google Classroom, get their own copy of it. And they can take notes right on their own copy. You know, you decide, you know, here's my five links, my two videos to get me started with my research. And then I got to come up with my own one or two links, you know, after mm -hmm. we've scaffold what makes good resources. Uh, and all of a sudden now you've got every kid going through that learning journey on their own, you know, but still being able to, you know, bounce ideas off each other and having a structure in place that allows them to organize their own thinking within that. I think that is so, so cool. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many great things. You know, I was trying to think about that as you were talking about the hyperdoc earlier. I was like, you know what, when, when is the case that I would use Google classroom and when's the case when something like a hyperdoc would be better. But I think in that scenario, like I could see that I could see you using the hyperdoc in Google classroom as mm -hmm. a way to get it out to people. Right? Yeah. I would, I would assign, uh, you know, and you, you could make an assignment and then at the top I would link the hyper hyperdoc for everyone to have access, but but maybe a view only, and then, um, and you can even assign down to the kids now. I mean, it's yeah, pretty, exactly. pretty incredible how, how far you can go in that customization, but they've just created a lot of avenues for teachers to um, share things with kids that, that you can utilize to, to set up a structure, but um, keep the choice options available. So, yeah. and I, yeah. I love it when you have a classroom where kids are, are encouraged for their uniqueness, where they're, individuality is, is praised rather than the uniformity that um, I think a lot of our, our systems and structures of not, not our school district, but um, schooling in general have created over time. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, and I agree. I think, you know, just where we are and, you know, I love where we are right now in education because I think we're coming out of, for better or for worse, a, a testing phase. Uh, it's not the first time we've gone through this deep dive into, you know, testing kids. Uh, it's very much, you know, we all the time, you know, teachers talk about the pendulum swinging from one way to the other. And we swung all the way over into this testing frenzy. And now we're swinging back out of it. Uh, and I'm sure we'll probably swing too far the other way. And everything's yeah. going to be so loosely structured and loosely organized. Everybody's going to be like, we need something, you know, like, it's just the way it is. We go back and forth, back and forth. Um, but it, it's kind of a really cool time, I think, coming out of this testing phase this time because the tools are so different. I mean, the last time we were in this, you know, every kid having a laptop wasn't even close to anybody's. Right. Now yeah. you're coming out of this testing stage with kids having the most powerful tools available with all these resources at their, at their um, fingertips. And we allow that idea of kids controlling their own learning to be really powerful. You know, in a one-to-one -one classroom, man, I just, I can't... Man, I just, there's days. Makes you want to go back a little bit. Yeah, huh? there's I days when I'm too, just like, yeah. let me back in. Just let and me back in. Like, let me shut I, my door. I won't like, I will be the worst teacher. Just shut my door. <laughs> leave me and my kids alone. We're just going to go ahead. We're just going to go do it, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, I, I, I have that itch as well. I think um, it, really trying to support teachers in that has been very rewarding for me, but uh, I do, I do see a classroom that, uh, 
I would love to teach with, yeah. with the technology that we provide. And, um, you know, there's, there's things like VR headsets roaming around and, uh, I know. and this, these robots. And I mean, it's just <laughs> insane right now. So it's insane. Uh, it. there's so many opportunities, but I think trying to manage them all is, is difficult for teachers. And so yeah. establishing and that those pedagogical lot. shifts yeah. are, are really key for teachers learning. I wish I, I could, uh, help teachers more with with an understanding that there's different ways than maybe your school or or your mentors have taught you just just to be aware you know and, yeah. and find yourself as a teacher yeah and to me that is the shift of schools right like i mean like i'll just shifting our schools podcast right the shift in the schools is mm -hmm. actually a shift in a pedagogical approach and a lot of times when i'm talking with school districts i'm like look this is a long process because we right. were all taught one pedagogical approach for that time period. And that, that's not going to work when you give every kid a laptop. There's this massive shift and it takes time. It's mm -hmm. a three-year process. You know, it's three years to roll out a one-to-one -one program. It's three years to change the system of the school, to change the mindset of the teachers. Like you're not going to do this in a day. You don't do this in a conference, right? This is long, hard pedagogical work. That needs to, that needs to happen. So, very very cool. Thank you so much for joining me. Where can people, if they want to reach out to you, where can we find you? At? We'll make sure it's all in the in the show notes as well. But just for the recording, um, well, you know, we're we're working on a new Google site, so all my information will be on there when cool. our instructional cool. tech site uh, gets updated. Cool. Um, I'm we'll on sure Twitter. I think uh, at ASD underscore Tech Michael. I think, but um, I'll. I'll share that with you. And okay. Um, can I make a quick plug real quick? Yeah, for something? please do. Um, uh, my school district just uh, completed a computer science grant. And one of the parts of that, that grant was for uh, field trips for our title one schools to go to the living computers museum in downtown Seattle. Wow. Uh, cool. Right, right next to the Starbucks headquarters. Uh, that place is amazing. Um, I'm, I'm uh, just so blown away with their, their, uh, historical presence of computers. I mean, you have Apple IIe's that are operational and kids are trying to program stuff on. You have Commodore 64's that, that are, is so cool. you know, kids are playing. So just uh, if, if there's room um, on your podcast to, to prep or to share that with people because it's not, it's not known enough in my yeah. how cool I drive by it all the time. I need to stop in and, and go have a play. Uh, yeah. I see it, yeah, I see it, love it right next to the Starbucks headquarters. Yeah. What's interesting though is you have like a, a timeline where you you know, the, the computers are relevant to you. Like yeah. going back to, to the nineties and, and late eighties is where it stops. But yeah. um, for others, it goes farther back. And so it's, it's pretty cool. That's cool. I'll have to, I'll have to stop by. Share that link with me too. And we'll put a link in there for people that might want to stop by there yeah. or, or see okay. about setting up a, setting up a, a, a good filter. Yeah. Kids. That'd be very cool. All right, Michael. Well, thank you so much. Uh, what a great episode all about the one-to-one -one classroom and how some of the ideas around how, what do we mean when we say highly structured, loosely organized. So appreciate it. Thank you. And I will be seeing you in August when I'm back yeah. down there working with you and your teachers again. So appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Shifting Our Schools with your host, Jeff Udick. Shifting Our Schools is part of the Eduro Learning Podcast Network. For more great content, visit sospodcast.org or follow us at Eduro Learning on Facebook and Twitter. Leave a review, rate, and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Shifting Our Schools.